everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. As always, I've got my brother and producer, Joel, here now at the table with me. I know. So good to be up here. And I know. Just want to thank everyone for welcoming me up here as well. Like, <laughs> I felt the love. <laughs> I know. He's been in the kind of the back of the studio at our, our producer table for a while. Yeah. But I was like, you know, it's time to bring him up here. And obviously, we have the, the beautiful sign. We made some adjustments to uh, the lighting and, and whatnot to try to make it a little bit less hard on the eyes because i know some of you were saying that it's just so bright yeah it's a huge sign i mean if (laughs) if you haven't checked it out yet on youtube you should definitely check it out because it's it's like five feet by five feet it's enormous Mm -hmm. and it just lights up the whole room so hopefully you guys can see us a little bit better today yeah uh but yeah if you're a listener of the show and you've never checked us out on youtube we we post uh, the episode to youtube every week and joel spends a lot of hours putting together a lot of images and overlays to kind of paint a picture for you visually of what we're actually talking about. It really helps bringing in images just to, like you said, help articulate what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And all of that. Not everybody's a, you know, auditory person. Some people are visual people. I know Yeah. there's many of you that just literally only watch the show on YouTube because you just enjoy watching it as opposed to just listening to it, uh, the audio. So I wanted to remind people that one way that you could really help support the show and it, we would really love it like as a christmas gift if you would just go to apple Podcasts and hit subscribe if you just watch us on youtube because with podcasting the way it is and it's becoming so competitive to you know be one of those top shows and that's what we're really striving for so if you wouldn't mind heading over there and just taking like two seconds to hit subscribe on apple Podcasts as well as on spotify uh following us there that would really help us out um and then for those of you that just listen to the show every week if you get a chance, you know, head over to YouTube and check out the Lights Out podcast on YouTube and subscribe to us over there because, uh, again, we do post every episode there, uh, the visual version of it. And yeah, it might be nice to put a, a face to a name. So, yeah, exactly. You know, kind of complete the picture for you. So, uh, the other thing I want to remind everybody out before we get into today's topic, which is a very dark one, and I don't even want to begin talking about this individual until we're ready to dive in because it's very, very disturbing and very sick. But We do still have some Lights Out merch left. If you would like some of our first drop, go and get it right now at milehiremerch.com. There's still some items left. And once we are sold out, we will not be restocking any of those items. So there's a lot of just really cool logo stuff. Um, There's a bunch of different things out there. There's grinders if you're a smoker or anything like that. So there is all sorts of stuff still available. So check out Mile Hire Merch. But let's go ahead and, and dive into... The individual that we're going to be talking about today is a very disturbing one, and that is Richard Huckle. Richard Huckle is considered by many to be Britain's worst pedophile. With this show, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to cover a lot of different variety of topics, and that's just because that's my interest. That's what I like talking about. That's what I like learning about. And one of the darkest topics to me in the world just in general and one that i feel that most people don't really know about because for whatever reason the news media and even our own governments don't really want to talk about it because it is very very disturbing and that is the world of child sexual exploitation child pornography i mean child sex trafficking the list goes on and on and this is something that is especially a big deal. I mean, it's a, it's really just an epidemic at this point. There's, it's gotten completely out of control. And with the invention of the internet, 
you know, and how the internet has evolved. And now we have the dark web, we have Tor, we have all these ways that people can be pretty much completely anonymous online. And it's opened up the doors, the floodgates really for pedophiles to start taking advantage of that. And I mean, the statistics on child pornography would absolutely blow your mind. And it's, it's something that I believe needs to be talked about and I don't think gets enough coverage. That's for sure. So that is why I wanted to kind of dive into that realm because I really feel that this is something that people need to know about, not only for your own safety and your own children's safety, but just just in general, because we really need to crack down on on people that are doing this really, really sick and disturbing things, such as Richard Huckle. So like I said, Richard Huckle was known as Britain's worst pedophile, as well as the gap year pedophile. And I'll explain what that means later. But Richard was born on May 14, 1986 in England, and his parents, Edwin and Christine, were middle class, and they raised their children in an up-and-coming town of Ashford in the county of Kent. And by the mid-90s, Ashford had become the meeting point of five railway lines and an international railway station, which caused a huge boom in the local economy there. Not much is known about Richard's childhood, but what we do know is that he had at least one older sibling, a brother, and that they were raised in an ordinary middle-class family who attended church on Sundays. And after primary school, Richard went to the Harvey Grammar School, which is apparently a prestigious, highly selective all-boys school in nearby Folkestone, Kent. And in school, Richard seemed detached and many of his classmates viewed him as a loner. And because of this, he was bullied and called rat-like. He did commit a few petty crimes growing up, like selling counterfeit Pokemon cards. After finishing at grammar school, Richard then went to South Kent College, which is only a mile away. Richard passed his GCSEs, which in the UK, that's General Certificate of Secondary Education, because, I mean, their school system's different over there. It's set up a little bit different than how we do have it here in America, but virtually it's the same thing. It's kind of like taking all of our standardized tests, depending on where you're at, and ACTs, things like that. So he took these exams, and he ended up passing the A-level exams. And he's actually, there's a picture of him that was in the local newspaper, apparently, of him celebrating his scores. Oh, wow. It must have been really uncommon for that to happen then. I mean, it's not hugely uncommon. Just I mean, A-level exams is like whatever. Okay. Because then it, there's different levels of these exams, so it goes up from there. There's the advanced subsidiary level exams, which was the next level uh, in order for him to move up in his education. But when he took those exams, he actually struggled quite a bit. And because he was having such a hard time with you know these academic exams at the higher levels, he decided to switch things to a vocational sort of style of learning where he started taking a course in IT and photography at Kent College. He also started working at Sansbury's in Ashford, which is a supermarket chain in the UK. And while working at Sansbury's, Richard mostly kept to himself. He occasionally went out with coworkers to dinners or the movies, but he was very quiet and reserved. One coworker later said he tried to make an effort to talk to Richard because he felt bad that he didn't fit in with the group. Definitely... I mean, I'm sure we've all met somebody like this, just definitely 
loner. I mean, just kind of stands out in the fact that you just notice him being completely detached from what everybody else is doing, does not participate in what the group is doing, essentially. Richard sometimes went to a church in London, and he actually attended Ashford Baptist Church. When he went to church, though, he didn't talk to many adults. He was much more interested in spending time with children. Richard was also a world traveler from a very young age. Through school, he had traveled to Germany, the U.S., and Canada. When he was 16 years old, he spent a month in Namibia, which is a country in southern Africa. And this trip gave him a sense of what life was like for kids in poor countries. And for his 17th birthday, he was given a digital camera, which really kind of ignited that passion for photography for him. And right away, it seemed like he preferred to take pictures of kids over adults. And he was actually asked to become the photographer for church events and baptisms. In 2004, Richard really embraced Christianity, and he actually got baptized a year later in 2005. In the fall of 2005, Richard decided to take a gap year, which a gap year is a year-long sabbatical for young adults taken either before starting college or during college, and it's more popular overseas than here in the U.S. And when he decided to take this gap year, his friends and coworkers didn't really think much of it. And his plan was to go spend time in Malaysia in order to work with local communities there. So he enrolled in the Gap Challenge program through World Challenge. And in early 2006, he traveled to Malaysia for the first time. Once he was in Malaysia, he started working at a school. And then as a Sunday school teacher at the community of praise, Tamanwayu, a Tamil church, which Tamil is an ethnic group originally from India. One of the things that Richard would do was as he was, you know, experiencing things in Malaysia, he would like to post them online and he'd post his experiences that he was having and his thoughts about it. One of the things he wrote online was that after my second week of teaching there, I became passionately fond of Tamil culture and became very involved with the church and its members. I even learned to read Tamil characters within a few months and slowly began to learn some of the language. I also took trips to Brunei and Cambodia in my first eight months. In 2008, Richard decided that he wanted to actually teach English over there. And so he enrolled in a short teaching course at the British Council offices in Kuala Lumpur. And this course gave him a certificate so that he could go and, you know, teach English as a second language. The certificate was actually called Certificate in English Language Teaching to Adults. And after he got the certificate, it then made him qualified to start working with adult ESL students all over the world. But instead of working with adults, he decided that he was going to use the certification to move into a poor community in order to start working with children, which this was a very planned and calculated move for Richard. He knew that parents in these impoverished neighborhoods would welcome him with open arms. I mean, he's this Christian teacher after all. And it didn't take long for the parents to start trusting him with their kids because he would take their kids to go get ice cream and other treats on their birthdays. He'd take them to church and tutor them in one-on-one sessions. Richard's abuse of children likely started when he traveled to Cambodia in 2006, although we don't know for sure. But on this trip, he had unsupervised access to two young sisters who were four and six years old. And this was just the beginning for Richard because over the next eight years, he would go on to target and abuse children entrusted to his care. He didn't discriminate by gender or age. He abused boys and girls, ranging from babies and diapers 
to 12-year-old preteens. Richard's youngest victim was six months old. What's crazy is that after that initial trip to Cambodia, where he abused those two young sisters, he actually went back in 2007 and stayed with the same family, working as a volunteer teacher in their village. A few years later in 2011, though, he moved to Kuala Lumpur, which is Malaysia's capital city. And there he went to Kuala Lumpur Metropolitan University College to study IT. Richard made money working as a freelance photographer, advertising his services on Facebook. His professional Facebook page said he could, quote, capture the true feeling and emotion of my subjects to produce the most natural-looking pictures. He was hired to take pictures at kids' birthday parties and then offered to take the children home after the party. And he would post the pictures he took of the young kids on Facebook. And some of his former classmates noticed that these pictures were oddly suggestive because Richard would pose even very young kids to look and act like adult models. He also took the young children he worked with to church with him. And after one service, he was confronted by the pastor who demanded to know why he was always with young children without their parents. And Richard said he had their permission. And the pastor insisted the children's parents accompany them. And after that happened, Richard stopped going to church for several months because it was clear that this pastor was on to him. And he definitely did not like being around Richard. It made the pastor feel uneasy and he felt like something was very wrong. It wasn't clear where Richard had met these children, but what was very clear was that they always seemed to be from poor areas. He eventually went back to church though, and he brought more children with him without their parents. And without proof of any wrongdoing, the pastor felt there was nothing more he could do. Richard always had a very active online life. His most popular username was Hakul. As a moderator for a forum on Sim TV, he would argue with other users. They thought Richard was arrogant and wanted him removed from the site. He also spent a lot of time on Trek World, a tourist website, commenting on pictures posted by fellow travelers. And some of these pictures were legal shots of nude or semi-nude children from villages and poor communities across the world. And Richard never missed a chance to comment on these pictures. And I mean, there's even screenshots proving that he did just that. Because if that wasn't creepy enough, he would also comment on pictures of young children that he just found attractive. For example, there's a picture of two, what looks to be two young boys, and it says, his post said, I did wonder about his private parts until I read the caption, though I personally feel there's little offense in natural nudity. Still, nice photo though cute, smiley, happy children. Very disturbing. Yeah, these comments clearly show that he is attracted to these uh, children. Yeah. I mean, nobody talks about children like that. Yeah. In that way. I mean, it's very, very sexual the way he's talking about them. Clearly physically attracted to them. Richard was also a prominent and active member of a large network of pedophiles on the dark web called The Love Zone which the dark web is one of those topics that I feel like I'd like to dive into more on the show. I agree. There's a lot of very, very disturbing things that go on. I mean, pretty much anything and everything, the worst of the worst happens on the dark web. 
And if you're not familiar with the dark web, it's another, I guess you could say, section of the internet that has to be accessed a specific way. And most of these, if not all the websites are encrypted and they have to be accessed through very secure browsers. I mean, there's a multi-layer of steps in order to access the dark web. It's not like, it's a completely separate part of the internet that can't be accessed through, you know, like Google Chrome or, you know, one of your normal web browsers. You actually have to connect through a, a proxy or something, right? Yeah, like Tor. Yeah. Um, is, is what a lot of people use, but. And I forget, do you actually need a piece of like hardware equipment too? To tap no, in? you can just use software. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can just download that, that Tor client actually. Nice. In order to, to access it. And by no means am I saying anybody go access it because there's literally, I mean, it'd be very easy to fall on the wrong page. Let's just put it that way. Because most of the people, locations, and identities of those that use the dark web cannot be traced, which is why it's the perfect place for terrorists, scammers, hackers, child sexual predators, or anyone looking for illegal goods, drugs, or content, or just a place to conduct illegal activity. So it only makes sense that Richard loved this type of place. And through the love zone, he posted descriptions of his abuse, along with photos and videos of him raping young children. Literally would film it and post it up there so other pedophiles on this website could comment and do whatever else they do. Ugh, it's just so disturbing. Richard abused some of his victims for years. One young girl was his victim from the ages of 5 to 12. And he wrote a comment about her on the love zone saying, it's quite amazing to have stuck with the same child lover for so many years. And I hope from the images you have seen and enjoyed watching her grow. That is just beyond sick. He then went on to say in that post, it's not often in child porn. You can compare the bodies of a five-year-old and a 12-year-old that are the same girl. I'm sure I'll have plenty more sex with her in the future. In another post, he talked about abusing four young girls from the same family. And the way that he talked about young children was just beyond disturbing. He'd say things like, hit the jackpot. A three-year-old girl is loyal to me as my dog, and nobody seemed to care. In another post, he said, sex with a three-year-old had become boring with a smiling emoji. And there's screenshots of this. That's how we know he said all these things. He also talked about how impoverished kids are definitely much easier to seduce than middle-class kids. Richard even bragged about writing a manual called Pedophiles in Poverty, Child Lover Guide. And this was a 60-page unpublished manual giving step-by-step instructions for how pedophiles could find and groom underage victims in Asia without getting caught. He also talked about wanting to earn money as a pedophile. His plan seemed to be to travel around Southeast Asia abusing children, taking photos and videos in order to sell his child porn. And he was referred to as CP on the dark web. He even signed up for a crowdfunding website called Pedofunding. And before it got closed down in 2014, this site was the best method for child porn producers to sell their content. Because before it was almost impossible to make commercial grade child porn. Since as soon as they sell it to one person, that video then becomes all over Tor, which was this 
secure browser I told you that people use to access the dark web before it just gets reposted and ends up, you know, free everywhere. But the user agreement had said children featured in content need to consent to the sex acts and had to be over the age of three. And users earned money by crowdfunding bitcoins in exchange for pictures and videos of child porn. And once bitcoins were contributed for a specific picture or video, the owner released it to everyone who had bid, paying a 22% commission to peta funding. Richard earned 105% of his target amount on a series of photos of him raping a three-year-old girl. That is just... It, oh. It's just beyond fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can't even, can't even wrap my head around that. It's just so disturbing. Websites on the dark web, like the Love Zone and Peta Funding, were heavily encrypted, password protected, and closely monitored by those monitoring the site. On the Love Zone, anyone who was inactive for a period of time was removed, and users were required to post a minimum amount of content. All the while that this is going on, Richard and other users of the Love Zone felt safe because they felt like by using the dark web, they would never be caught or tracked by authorities. In one post, Richard wrote, it will likely take something very serious to get me to stop or slow down. But if I'm not suffering consequences, what is there for me to learn from? But Richard didn't stop there. He actually developed a scoring system that he made up for pedophiles. And in this system, he earned pedo points on a depravity scale running from 1 to 15 based on sex acts he forced on children. And the scale ranged from basic to hardcore. And in just one year, Richard had given himself 1,305 points. Like that's something to be proud of. Disgusting. In 2013, he wrote a detailed plan to marry a young girl that he had abused from the age of seven. He also planned to have children with her in order to create his own victims. At another point, he claimed he was not a big fan of incest, so he decided to change his plans. His new plan was to marry a South Asian woman and to adopt children with her, and that way she would allow him to abuse them whenever he wanted. He'd also said that he wanted to be a foster parent to create a cycle of children, giving him a constant stream of new victims and turning child abuse into a full-time job. Literally, this guy is the worst of the worst when it comes to child rapists. I mean, this is a serial rapist, serial abuser to the maximum level. And it seems like it's just a game to him if he's creating this whole point system. He's yeah. he's encouraging all the other pedos out there like it's a competition. Uh, he's encouraged Yeah, he's encouraging other people to step step up their actions and and you know he's kind of looking at himself as like i'm the king pedophile you know yeah, i'm, I'm kind yeah. of the the top top guy so everybody's gonna have to kind of get to my level it, yeah it's really a, a pride thing for him at this point as sick as that is it's just it it makes no sense whatsoever at all clearly but richard had several strategies for getting kids alone he targeted children living in poor communities, care homes, and orphanages, taking them on day trips or out for their birthdays, literally putting, like allowing these children to trust him by thinking that he's going to show them a good time. He's going to, you know, give them an experience that they may not have otherwise, a positive experience they may not have otherwise, but instead he's doing exactly the opposite. I mean, if that isn't evil, 
then I don't know what is. He ended up taking one young girl out to celebrate her fifth birthday, but ended up subjecting her to hours of sexual abuse in his home. And what's even more sick about him is that he was so proud of what he was doing that he would then go back to the Love Zone website and he would literally post like a play-by-play of what he had just done with his victims. And with this particular young girl, he said, and her name has been blurred out, but soon came her fifth birthday and I was allowed to take her out alone with me to celebrate with her. And this was my first time properly alone with this individual. So before her day out, she came by my place. She wasn't fond of being touched, but I eventually got her undressed and had her take one for the team. Our first proper naked sexual play together with plenty blank as well as mine. You can probably tell from her expressions that she wasn't most pleased, but that's a small price to pay when nobody else is interested in celebrating your birthday. I mean, that is just evil. I mean, that is just, that is so beyond the, I mean, mean, to me, that's one of the most evil things you can do to another human being is taking advantage of a child like that. And, you know, putting yourself in this role of trust and this child is trusting you because you're presenting yourself in that role to then just completely go the opposite direction and completely break that trust with them because in your mind she's got nothing better nobody cares about her i mean at this point it's very clear that richard looked at these children as just toys as objects i mean Mm -hmm. there's no human connection there at all this is purely just i mean i i don't even i don't understand pedophilia at all but it just seems like a something in his head completely is out of whack clearly it makes no sense but one of the ways richard flew under the radar for so long was by being strategic about the location of his victims In Malaysia, things like pedophilia are viewed as a Western problem, and no one suspected that a young Christian teacher would be doing unspeakable things to their children. And this entire time, he's abusing children throughout all of Southeast Asia. In 2013, Richard wrote to an Indian pastor named George Fernandez, who ran the New Hope for Children Orphanage in Bangalore. He asked if he could visit the orphanage to volunteer with the children. And he offered his services as a photographer and videographer to make promotional material to help the ministry. His letter said, Greetings, Pastor George. My name is Richard Huckle. I'm originally from UK, but I'm studying IT in Malaysia. From July 19th to August 6th, I will be in India, flying to Chennai with plan stops in Bangalore and Hubla. I found your new Hope for Children orphanage on Facebook and was very interested. I previously visited India in January. There, I met a pastor who was also trying to start an orphanage. I made a short documentary for him, which I uploaded to my YouTube account. So literally like baiting this pastor. All the while, the pastor has no idea he is the worst child sexual predator on the planet. He goes on to say, I'm very interested in visiting your orphanages in Bangalore and Amber. Especially in Amber as I'm able to speak basic Tamil. It'd be a great experience for me to visit your orphanage, meet and help the children, and would be more than happy to use my photography and video editing skills to help make some promotional material for your ministry. As I said, I'll be in India from July 19th to August 6th, though I'm currently uncertain of what exact dates I'll be available to come to Bangalore and Amber. 
Thank you for your time. God bless your ministry. And I look forward to hearing back from you. Kind regards, Richard Huckle. And this email was convincing enough that George took him up on his offer and even allowed him to stay in his home while visiting. And there's actually some images from that trip of him visiting George Fernandez and this orphanage. And when you look at him in this, it just is, I don't know, just kills me to see these children looking at him and how he just gets instant access because he's this Christian teacher. It makes me sick. While he was there, Richard was oddly quiet and never talked about himself or his personal life, which we know why. But after the trip, the orphanage posted a thank you note to Richard on its Facebook page, and Richard ended up writing to George again, saying he'd like to come back. But he never got the chance, because by the end of 2014, Richard Huckle would be in police custody, and the orphanage would post a very different message. Now before we continue with Richard Huckle, and we learn his inevitable fate, I want to quickly thank our sponsors for today. All right. Thank you to the sponsors. Again, it's nice to have sponsors, especially on content like this, because this will not do well, especially on YouTube, because we are talking about pedophiles. So back to Richard. So a woman named Ann Jones actually claimed that Richard could have been stopped during his gap year in 2006. And this woman actually worked for World Challenge, which was the organization that helped arrange Richard's travel plans and where he would actually work during that year, including working for a local school and a church. Anne said later on that she was never comfortable with Richard. He gave her a bad feeling, and he was always dirty and disheveled. He also proved to be a troublemaker with a bad attitude. Richard had requested to work in an orphanage, but they didn't have an opening, so Anne placed him in a school instead. And while he was working at the school, Richard was flatmates with four other volunteers in the program. And one of his flatmates, Sammy G, worked in the same classroom with him. They were actually co-teachers. And she said that he gave her the creeps. He didn't seem to have a personal life at all. And he was noticeably anxious around kids. And honestly, Richard Huckle just kind of sticks out compared to some of the other people in these programs. He really just seems like he shouldn't be there. Just just based by looking at him and, you know, take a look at him if, if you haven't seen him yet, because I think you probably agree with me. Yeah, his outfit is noticeably different and his whole look. His yeah. whole look is just kind of, yeah, he's, he's he just stands out for sure. He does. Uh, he does look disheveled. That's for sure. Yeah. But his flatmate, Sammy G, wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because after all, Richard claimed that he was a Christian. She said he was quiet and avoided interacting with anyone at the school. She also noticed that he always had a camera with him. Even while they're supposed to be teaching, he was always preoccupied with taking pictures. And it did take long for Sammy to become fed up with Richard because obviously he wasn't doing anything other than taking pictures creepily at school. So she reported him for not doing his job. And a parent had also reported him for not completing his job duties. So he was ultimately asked to leave. And Richard went to Ann Jones and told her he didn't want to leave the program altogether. He said he was a devout Christian and wanted to work in a church. So she placed him in a local church and he quickly rose to the position of Sunday school teacher. It wasn't long before Ann got a complaint from a parent about Richard smacking their child. 
Other parents said he was violent and often forcibly removed kids from the classroom. At one point, Ann met with the pastor and his wife to tell them about the complaints from parents and that Richard had to go. The parents wanted him fired and sent home, and they agreed. And Ann told him to leave the Gap Challenge program. But within a week, he was reinstated, a simple act that likely made Richard feel invincible, like he could never be caught, and only made him more bold and careless to take his crimes to the next level. Anne didn't know why he was reinstated until years later, and she now lives with the guilt of all the children who were abused by Richard. So literally, red flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's being reported by parents, he's, he's abusing their children, and yet for whatever reason, he's not kicked out of the program, he's not sent back home. I mean, at this point, he should be facing tr- criminal charges most likely. But yet they just kind of allow him to keep going on. And he's a Sunday school teacher. That That's the most crazy thing to me is yeah. that he's literally a Sunday school teacher and yet he is, he's the devil. He's literally the devil. Right. In, in sheep's, you know, sheep's clothing or sheepskin, wherever you want. Like he's literally, in, yeah, he's he's the devil in Sunday school. Yeah, definitely scary thought that he's leading all these children you know, in the classroom and yeah, it's wild that a lot of this could have been avoided if he had actually been reprimanded and kicked out of this program. And it must've just been his whole image of being a devout Christian that maybe the church felt like they needed to forgive him because I know forgiveness is big in the church and stuff. So I don't know though, even I feel like most churches would be like, yeah, you're doing this to children. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. There might be more to that story that we just don't know. And and that's kind of the the case with this whole with Richard in general is that there's a lot of things that have been kept under wraps because I think there's a lot of people that do feel guilty and feel responsible for the for all the abuse that Richard Richard did and nothing was done about him until 2014 when Richard was finally back on someone's radar as an abuser a specialized branch of Australia's Queensland Police Service called Task Force Argos was investigating child pornography rings on the dark web. Argo spent 10 months searching for the real identity of the founding member of the Love Zone. The member used a unique greeting in posts. Hayas. They found a fake profile that also used this unique greeting, and it had been created to befriend children online. But it didn't have any identifying information about the person controlling it. And while scouring the profile, an officer found a license plate number on a pictured vehicle, which led them to Shannon McCooley. And Shannon was a care worker from Adelaide, South Australia. And the police got a warrant to search his home. When they came in, he was actually logged into the love zone, which proved he was a user. And after matching a freckle on his finger to a man abusing a child in an uploaded video, they identified Shannon as the founder and administrator of the love zone. And once they had him in custody, the police then gained full access to the website and started posting as Shannon to keep his account active, basically doing like a sting, which this gave them time to conduct further investigation in order to identify more pedophiles and victims. And as a result of this operation, they were able to rescue a total of 85 children and arrest hundreds of pedophiles. And one of the most sickening and prolific users of this love zone was Richard Huckle. 
They tracked down his real identity and started monitoring his profiles on legal websites. Richard posted on Facebook that he was going home to England for Christmas. So Argos alerted Britain's National Crime Agency, which investigates organized crime, especially the creation, possession, and distribution of child pornography. And on December 19, 2014, officers from Britain's National Crime Agency met him at Gatwick Airport in London and arrested Richard. They then questioned him about his involvement in the love zone and started searching his phone, laptop, and hard drives. And from what they could access, the police identified 29 victims and found 20,253 indecent photos across his hard drives. But they believe there are so many more victims and a ton more content that they just can't access. On one series alone, there were 249 pictures of Richard raping a young girl with a bottle. Richard refused to help the police access his laptop or areas of the hard drives that were encrypted and password protected. Richard also refused to answer any questions beyond denying all accusations. Of course, he's a total coward, won't fess up to anything. At this point, he had no criminal record and wasn't currently working with children. So Richard was released on bail into his parents' custody. The next day, Richard's mother questioned him about the allegations against him. And he admitted to her that he had been sexually involved with children aged 3 to 13. And his parents, who were Christians, were obviously very shocked, horrified, and angry. They called the police immediately and told them to remove Richard from their house. Good for them. I mean, I know that's a tough decision as a parent to do, yeah. but I mean, this guy... At this point, there's no yeah. help in him. I mean, he's he's got to go. Right. His parents then sold their home and then disappeared for several months because, I mean, nobody wants to be associated with a monster like this. His sister-in-law spoke to the media on their behalf and said, none of his family will speak about him. None of us ever want to see Richard again. In January 2015, he was arrested again, and this time he was denied bail. Richard actually sent a message to his best friend from jail, and he said, life as I know it is over. This arrest has broken so many hearts which what the fuck is he talking about? What heart? I mean, you already broke hearts. It's not the arrest that broke hearts. You literally broke hearts. Sick, savage son of a bitch. Like, yeah, my God. He was charged with 91 counts of child abuse, rape of a child under 12, digital penetration, creation of child pornography and possession of child pornography. He was also charged for the pedophile manual. He wrote as well. The manual in court was described as a truly evil document. Yeah, I mean, he's literally telling other people how he's encouraging it, encouraging it, and telling and enabling other pedophiles to continue the abuse and not get caught. Right, right. I mean, he's like a ringleader. He's just like a mob boss or any other type of organized crime. He's literally the head of the snake. You know, you got to do. You got to cut the head off the snake. Right. So Richard, after this, was transferred from Her Majesty's prison. Luz, which is a Category B prison, to HMP Belmarsh, a Category A or maximum security prison. And at the first hearing in January of 2016, the 91 charges against Richard took over an hour to read, and he pleaded not guilty to all of them. The prosecution was led by Brian O'Neill, a Queen's counsel lawyer, which these types of lawyers have a higher level of legal expertise 
in order to take on more complex cases such as Richard's. And Richard was represented by Philip Sapsford, also a Queen's Counsel. He was prosecuted under Section 72, which is a rarely used section of the Sexual Offenses Act of 2003. This allows British nationals to be convicted in the UK of sex crimes committed in other countries. Richard is only the seventh person ever to be prosecuted under Section 72, and his charges are definitely by far the most serious they've ever seen. Prosecutors plan to present the evidence in three separate trials, but it was too graphic and horrifying to expect one jury to study all of it. And what's crazy too is that throughout all of the trials, they never brought any of the victims forward to speak about their experiences with him. And, and the reasoning for this was because they just felt like it would be way too, I mean, the things that he did were way too graphic. It was already traumatic enough that the last thing you'd want to do to these poor children is to bring them in and have them relive everything while they try to explain what had happened. And so, and, and they didn't need that. I mean, they had enough evidence just based on what they found on his hard drives and, and, and everything else that, that they discovered once they had him in custody. But the next hearing was in April, 2016. And Richard requested to see the evidence against him. And once he saw the evidence they had against him, he changed his tune. He ended up pleading guilty to 71 charges, 14 counts of rape of a child under the age of 12, 5 counts of digital penetration of a child under the age of 12, 31 counts of sexual assault against a child under the age of 12, 6 counts of grooming of a child, 13 counts of taking or making indecent images of children related to the 20,000 images of his laptop, one count of advertising indecent images of children, and one count of arranging or facilitating child sex offenses. Prosecutors also requested that the additional 20 charges lie on file, which meant that they wouldn't be charged at this time, but could be at a later date. Plus, they didn't want the jury members to have to view even more graphic evidence if it wasn't necessary. Judge Peter Rook granted the request, and many of the charges Richard pled guilty to already carried a maximum life sentence, so it wasn't in the public's best interest to pursue the other 20 charges. And while he was in custody, Richard spoke to a psychiatrist and allegedly said that he wanted to put his madness behind him, and that he was ready to settle down, preferably with a South Indian woman. The psychiatric report also noted that Richard had been depressed when he was a teenager, and that he had limited sexual experience with adults. The psychiatrist also said that this was the most extensive case of child sex crimes he had ever seen. Both of Richard's parents came out of hiding to make witness statements to support the prosecutor's case. Man, that, you know, I give them a mad, mad props for that to come out against your child and, and as you should in this case. But as a parent, like Joel said, it can be difficult to, you know, take the other side when it's your child that's in trouble. But in this case, I think there's only one right side to this. The trial sentencing phase lasted from June 1st to June 3rd, 2016, and Richard was officially sentenced on June 6th. Richard's lawyer, Philip Sapsford, read a statement on his behalf during the sentencing hearing. And in the statement, Richard claimed he didn't understand how serious his crimes were. He said he misinterpreted attention from children because he was insecure with women and immature. Don't buy that at all. Excuses. Seriously. He was quoted as saying, I really understand and acknowledge the true scale of damage it caused to the Malaysian community. I had hoped to escape this mundane life of solitude in the UK, yet was overwhelmed by the attention I received in Malaysia. I completely misjudged the affections I received from these children, 
My low self-esteem and lack of confidence with women was no excuse for me to use these children as an outlet. I am open and eager to rehabilitate from this offending behavior. I don't want to become a martyr to sex tourism in Malaysia. This was all my doing as a consequence of my immaturity, and I'm truly remorseful. Now, do you believe that for one second? Not at all. That he's truly remorseful? He's just saying what they want to hear? Yeah, because at the end of the day, this guy's a master manipulator. He's mm-hmm. this major narcissist, clearly. And, and he's smart. I mean, he knows what to say. That's going to get him sympathy. It's all poor me, you know. Yeah. Poor me. Oh, I'm, you know, I I lack confidence with women and adults. So that's why I find the affection of children wonderful. I mean, it's just so sick. It's so sick and twisted. Philip also had the balls to ask for leniency from the judge, which is just crazy. Because he said that he had no prior convictions, he committed the crimes at a young age, and he clearly had shown remorse. There you go. That's all he wanted is he just wanted to get off. I mean, he didn't want to face the consequences of this. But the prosecution countered by reminding the judge that Richard had tracked his abuse of over 200 children. He literally had a scoring tracker. He gave himself right. points. Now, that that completely negates that entire apology. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely. But under the law, the prosecution could only pursue charges for those that had photographic evidence, unfortunately. Judge Rook spoke directly to Richard before sentencing him to life imprisonment on 22 counts with a minimum prison term of 25 years before he could apply for parole. Which is crazy because he shouldn't get parole or an opportunity. I know, right? It is. I mean, in in the U.S., I don't think you would be getting parole after 25 years at all. This would be life and done, Mm -hmm. if not the death penalty, I mean, in some, some places. Yeah. The judge was quoted as saying, it is very rare indeed that a judge has to sentence sexual offending by one person on such a scale as this. In my view... You may well harbor feelings of regret, but there is no feeling of genuine remorse in this case. And I'm glad the judge at least saw that because I think it's pretty obvious. Because Richard still refused to give the authorities the information to access all of his hard drives, which this made it clear that he wasn't really sorry for his crimes, but he was just trying to get a more lenient sentence. He didn't want to go to, to jail for life. But judge wasn't buying it. He gave Richard 23 life sentences, one for each proven victim, and it was amended to 22 life sentences. During the sentencing, Richard stood in the courtroom with his hands folded in prayer. Can you imagine how fucking angry you'd be if you were a victim or a victim's family member Mm -hmm. and you saw this guy sitting there like praying, asking for a lenient sentence? Like It's so fake. When he's done all this horrendous, disgusting shit, yeah. poor children who are now literally scarred for life because of this guy i mean i'd want i'd, I'd literally want to kill him honestly mm-hmm. like you'd want to physically attack him i mean he's just provoking he's just yeah. that kind of person but judge rook told him your life revolved around your sexual activity with young children your self-delusion knows no bounds and as richard was let out of court a woman yelled at him from the gallery one thousand deaths is too good for you After the sentencing, Andy Brennan, the deputy director of the National Crime Agency, spoke to the media who were anxiously waiting outside the courthouse. The media had actually been barred from reporting on the story until they removed all of Richard's posted content from the web and made sure his victims were safe. The National Crime Agency was actually criticized by the public and in the media for how they handled Richard Huckle's case, as well as the evidence against him. 
Child protection charities in Malaysia and the Malaysian government believe the details of the crimes, including victims' names, should have been shared sooner. The Attorney General of Malaysia said that they contacted the Attorney General for England and Wales and the British High Commissioner in Kuala Lumpur to find out why the details have been withheld and to get the names of the victims. The National Crime Agency claimed that they had waited until Richard was prosecuted before they could share more details about the crimes and evidence. But they knew that they weren't without fault in this case. On June 6, 2016, the same day Richard was sentenced, the National Crime Agency turned itself into the Independent Police Complaints Commission, a police watchdog organization. And between Richard's first arrest in December of 2014 and his second arrest the following January, officers didn't alert the two churches Richard attended about his crimes. They also failed to fully investigate his connections to the churches and whether or not he was using those connections to groom underage victims, which there was evidence to suggest that he was. Richard talked about having contact with the child through a London church in his blog, and he even said he had been to the child's home, which public criticism led the National Crime Agency to voluntarily refer the investigation to. Basically, all of these different organizations, both in Britain and Malaysia, were all kind of pointing fingers at each other like, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you do more? You should have alerted them. You should have told these people that he was you know, guilty of these crimes. But perhaps the biggest organization to face the most scrutiny was the Malaysian government, as they've been criticized for the lack of laws around child pornography and abuse. And according to a number of different organizations, especially those advocating for you know the safety and welfare of children, they believe that Malaysia needs to make child pornography and sexual abuse a much more serious crime. And along with that, the media added that Richard's punishment wasn't severe enough, saying a thousand years is not enough, and this monster could be out in 24 years. But while Richard was in prison, he allegedly had a sexual relationship with Stephen Port, the grinder killer who murdered at least four men and committed multiple rapes. They actually served time together at Belmarsh. Prisoners were allowed to hang out together in open areas at certain times during the day, but everything going on in the open cells was in full view, including by three guards, and their sexual relationship was said to be an open secret in the prison. Eventually, Richard was moved to full Sutton Prison, and on October 13, 2019, Richard Huckle was tortured and murdered in a cell by a fellow inmate. 29-year-old Paul Fitzgerald. Richard was 33 years old at the time of his death. Paul was with Richard for over an hour before he was found by the guards. He had tied Richard's hands behind his back and gagged him. Paul then used an electrical cable, I've heard it was a guitar string too, there's been multiple reports about that, in order to strangle him repeatedly. He then beat him and stabbed him over 22 times with a shank made from a melted toothbrush. He then raped Richard and inserted a kitchen utensil into his anus. He broke his jaw and shoved a blade attached to a pen through his nostrils and into his brain. So just completely destroyed him. And when the guards found him, Paul was straddling Richard's body and the cell was covered in blood. Paul later said he wanted to cut off Richard's body parts to cook and eat them. He also said the murder was poetic justice for the crimes Richard committed against children. Paul was ultimately charged with murder in January of 2020, and after only an hour of deliberation, the jury found him guilty. And I mean, clearly he did this, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But Paul was sentenced to life in prison on November 24, 2020, in order to serve a minimum of 34 years before being eligible for parole. And many people think that 
you know, karma caught up with him and Richard got exactly what he deserved. And perhaps he did. But at the end of the day, it does not take away the pain and trauma that he caused to dozens of children. I mean, there's even reports that his victim numbers went as high as 200 different children. I mean, the if you look at the list of charges that was actually brought against him, there was like over, I think, at least 200 different charges for children that he abused. And I mean, he did. I'd even go into some of the most horrendous shit. Like it's it's so dark and so graphic that it doesn't even need to be spoken because it's just so sick and disgusting. And I don't even want to think about it at all. I don't even want to say the words because this to me is just some of the most evil acts that you can possibly do to another human being, let alone a child. And honestly, I I think Richard got exactly what he deserved. And you can agree with me if you want, or you can disagree with me. I don't think life in prison is the right option for him. I think it's just it's time for Richard to to leave to exit because I don't know how you come back from this. I don't know. There's no way to be rehabilitated from this. There's nothing left for you to do after after you do something like this. And chances are he would have gone on committing, you know, more acts like this if he had gotten out of prison in some way, shape, or form. But even then, does he even deserve to live in in Rodaway in prison? I don't know, but you'll have to let me know what you think of this one. It's a really dark, gruesome one. It is. It's very disgusting and disturbing. Hopefully I haven't turned you off from the show, but I just felt like it was important that we talk about some of these child sex predators because they just, I mean, nobody wants to talk about them because I mean, as you heard, it's really heinous shit. It's not, there's nothing I don't even know. I don't even know how to end some of these episodes, especially with stuff like this, because it's just like, yeah. At the end of the day, I think this ended ended the the right way for him, for Richard at least. Obviously, these children are gonna be messed up forever, and I, it makes me extremely sad that they had to go through this. And somebody like Richard, who pretended to be a Christian and Sunday school teacher, and took advantage of the systems, took advantage of the lax laws in in Malaysia, and and I mean, I don't know if. Hopefully they're doing more now and I think they are. And I think the rest of the world is starting to, to wake up to the fact that these pedophile rings are out of control and hopefully we can really get, get this under control and stop it for good because it's, it's just, it, there's, this doesn't need to happen in any way, shape or form. But with that, we'll go ahead and end today's episode there. Hopefully you found this episode interesting. Hopefully it gives you a, something to think about but we will be back next week with something a little bit more not quite as dark it'll still be dark i mean every day's every day's dark here on lights out this is what we do but next week we're diving into a a legend of a very creepy story from from the past that i think you guys will uh, really find interesting and enjoy but until next time lights out This is Jillian with Court Junkie. 
Court Junkie is a true crime podcast that covers court cases and criminal trials using audio clips and interviews with people close to the cases. Court Junkie is available on Apple Podcasts and podcast1.com.